I want to welcome um, Justin Sewer to the In My Feels podcast. Um, for those that don't know, Justin is a mindset coach for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and he's worked with the Boston Red Sox. And he runs a, an amazing podcast, which is like uh, short daily rituals to help inspire you um, to get your mind right kind of daily. Um, so how we start the podcast is um, thoughts, feelings, emotions on the inside, create your outside exterior. So my question to you, Justin, is how are you feeling right now in this moment? I am excited in this moment, excited for this conversation, uh, fully present. I'm, we, I am where my feet are and uh, ready to do this. There we go. See, I love speaking to a mindset coach. <laughs> it's great. I feel like I've been doing this my, in terms of, like I had an hour conversation with my older brother who um, can be somewhat critical, has been critical, you know, as family, families do. You know me, I pretty much go with the flow, you know, where my energy flows, you know, where my focus flows, the energy goes. Right. Um, so I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to become a hollow bamboo on a river. Okay. So I'm letting my energy flow and, and unconditioning everything I've ever been taught and just being like something as I'm being reborn new. And I have these constant conversations with my brother and stuff. And he can be quite critical of that. But I had a great conversation with him yesterday and it kind of put me into a practice of, because I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual in a sense of practical spiritual. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm pretty much, I do what I say on the tin and, you know, I'm, but I, I have awareness of it. Um, and as a mindset coach, how do you kind of put across to, um, to athletes who are now in a, in a sport where there's no audiences? And we know that audiences play such a big role in, in yes. building energy and, you know, whether it's, you know, the booze, the R's, the this, the that, it can turn a game, right? The mindset of the athlete isn't, isn't, isn't right. How do you prepare an athlete now for that? During these right. Days? I think it starts with, uh, with priming their mind with awareness. So before the season started, we had our, I remember we were in spring training, we're playing against the Pittsburgh pirates. And then we go back to the locker room and we got word that, Hey, we're going to take a little break. Uh, we thought it was going to be a couple of weeks, but little did we know we wouldn't get the season started until August. So this is for the first time in the history of baseball pro sports, we have this long hiatus. And during the hiatus, I think all of us went into that through quarantine for the first time, especially when it first started, all of a sudden these rumblings started to happen in the mind. What if this doesn't work out? Who am I? Our identity is rocked. All of a sudden we're questioning our path. Our motivation goes down. Our focus goes down. We've never experienced this before. Once we got word we were going to come back, word on the street was there's going, there aren't going to be any fans. No one's going to be in the stands. That's if you use them as a source of energy. I mean, playing at Yankee Stadium, playing at Dodger Stadium with thousands of fans, they're not going to be there. Now, usually we go into those sta our stadiums. There's not usually a lot of people there anyway. But that was where we said, okay, we're going into this situation. These are the, this is the adversity. We're going to have a lot of tests. We're going to be wearing microphones or masks rather. Uh, we're going to, our, our lockers are going to be spread out. We can't hug. We can't high five. You can't celebrate. And so priming them, getting them mentally prepared for the adversity they're going to face. I think it helped minimize or helped enhance their adaptability. However, it was still very difficult. Uh, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to experience it in the moment. And so it's less trying to force their mindset down their throat and more um, 
asking them questions to help them identify how are you going to respond when this happens and this happens and everybody is so different. Basically, I'm, I was there to say, hey, have a plan mentally, physically, emotionally, have a plan for these punches in the face that we're about to get. That's amazing. I mean, it's funny because he was, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't watch many US sports. I'm British. I live in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I watch a ton of soccer for me, which is football. Yep. Um, and TV show, I mean, they, the networks now give you options to listen to it with aud- audience or without. Right. And I choose to listen to it with, because <laughs> without it just to me, I used to play, you know, Sunday league and just, you know, um, amateur sports. And, yep. and when you don't hear the audience, it sounds, it's just, it gives me an amateur vibe. Right. Right. And, in, and, you know, in my mindset, and I like, I want to hear the cheers. I don't, I don't know who's doing it. I mean, maybe someone misses and they're like, Ooh, and then you kind of hear the, <laughs> someone must be there programming, which is amazing. Um, right. I'd love for you just for the listeners, kind of, especially our audience, your definition of a mindset coach. And obviously there's a plateau, there's an education to it, but I'd love your interpretation of it. Yeah. So I would, yes, there are different uh, domains. You could be a, a mental health counselor. You could be a performance specialist like myself. You could have a doctorate in it. You could be a life coach. There's a lot of different places and, and uh, different ways to go about it. Um, and then there are, they're called theoretical orientation. So uh, some people are motivational interviewers. Some people use uh, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. They have their own tools, so to speak, on how they approach things, kind of like music. Uh, you, there are different artists depends on the genre. And then within the genre, there are different, uh, even more nuances to, to basically like produce whatever actors, whatever. So as a mental performance coach or a mindset coach, as you're saying, ultimately my job is to serve. I like to serve as a mirror, really as a mirror to, to their own thoughts. Now, when you're working with people who, at the highest caliber, it doesn't matter if it's a professional athlete, a musician, an actor, a dancer, the world is clamoring for their attention. People pay them a lot of money just to talk to them, just to get their autograph. And so to have the trust of a person of this caliber, for them to be able to share with me their what's on their mind, just something as simple as you asking me that question, how are you feeling? If you ask a professional athlete that, it's like they're thinking, okay, why are you asking me that? Who are you going to share this with? Uh, I, I'm not going to be vulnerable. And so to build relationships so strong, you can bear the weight of truth. Now, another thing is a lot of us, we all have blind spots. A lot of us, we, we go through our emotions and we have these certain beliefs about confidence, about fear, about stress. And sometimes we can't see it. We can't see the mistakes we're making and it takes someone from the outside that who you trust to shine a light on your blind spots. And so that's where I serve as more of a perspective giver. Not, I'm not giving answers. I don't have, I'm not the guru to disseminate. Uh, this is how you be mentally tough. My job is to respect the person's experience, respect their expertise, respect their talents and their opinions, and through the use of questions and and listening to help them broaden their own horizon, enhance their own perspective, so that they can make their own decisions. I love that. It's 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 funny because I mean, even on this show when we have guests on, it's it's getting the truth out of the guest in terms of you know that's why we start the podcast with how you're feeling because people don't really ask and then and it's kind of a blanket statement of how you think oh yeah you know i'm good but are yeah. you really right like what like what is going on and me per se as a person now i completely live my truth so my thoughts i speak about my thoughts constantly right. so my wife and i are constantly you know if i'm feeling you know stressed i'm feeling stressed um 
I'm not sure why I've just woken up this way. And then I question it enough until it goes away or it, or it just kind of just loses interest. Or should I say the kind of alter ego of myself? Um, I guess kind of that you do a similar thing with the, with the athletes, you really dive in on their mental state and them as people, which kind of brings out the, the, the performance base of them, but getting them in the right frame of mind to actually head into a game and being, I love, how, I, I love how you said that, especially that last part, being present. My job is to help the people I work with to be where their feet are. Kind of what we just talked about being fully present. Cause you know, you're per performing at the, at the, at the tip of your potential at the, at your highest space, when you are in the here and now, not when you're beating up on yourself about the past, when you're worrying about the future or when you're trying to control other people or frustrated with other people. Now we're human. We're going to do those things, but to your point, it, to your point, it's bringing awareness to where is my mind right now? What's on my mind? What am I thinking? What is my process? Uh, why am I thinking that? How am I feeling? What's my body feel like? All of those things to help them navigate through it so that they not only know what to focus on, but to also know what they, what they could ignore as well. And whether you're talking to somebody you trust or whether you're writing it down in your journal so you can look at your thoughts instead of through your thoughts, being able to, to get it out of your mind and out into the open to another person, onto a journal, it is incredibly beneficial. Yeah. And I, and I, I mean, I practice that now, like living in the now for me, I mean, factually, see, again, practically, spiritually, um, the past and the future, most of our stresses are past and future based. Um, you know, you worry about what happened in the past and you worry about what's going to happen in the future. Um, so me now, I uh, factually, both of those elements, past and future only happen now. They were only created now. Mm -hmm. So how can you actually focus on any of those? Mm -hmm. Um, and I study because when I watch documentaries or I watch, you know, murder mysteries or I, I study the meant the psyche, what's the difference between a victim and someone who who is the oppressor or some like, for example, Michael Jordan would mm -hmm. be a perfect example of someone who every shot he takes, he is in the moment while taking that shot. There isn't no bills or there isn't no next game or there isn't the next minute. There isn't any of that. And he became so good at that. And even, even when you study, you know, Michael Jordan, when he, when he first went away, he got, you know, rejected from camp and all that type of stuff. He came back taller. He came back. And in spiritual sense, I mean, what I believe is, you know, you are what you think and feel. So your physical appearance is the way you feel about yourself. So that's why when you see yourself from 10 years ago and you now, you're completely different. Mm -hmm. And the hangups that people hold on for 10 years. And I say to them, you're not the same person as you was then as you are now. Physically, you've changed. Your cells have died and reborn thousands of times. There's so many different things. Um, and you actually say, you actually tweet about like living in the now, which I think is super important. How do you kind of, I guess, instill that into an athlete who is kind of, you know, they've been working their whole life physically. So they have a very set mindset and, you know, creatures of habit and all that type of stuff. How do you break that down into a psychology of, of like in a teaching of being in the now? Yeah, I think it's, it's easy to talk about it. It's easy to tweet about it. It's easy to read about it. And so now it's like, okay, so how do you execute it? How do you make a practical strategy to get better at it? And I like your notion of, of 
the essence of we are a work in progress. We are continually evolving, not just physiologically, but even emotionally and mentally. We are the person you were 10 years ago, like you said, it's not the person today. And you can change and you can get better. And we even the research shows that. There's, you go to any different domain, I think that's a powerful belief to have. Another thing, what these the best in the world realize is you're never too good to get better. But the corollary to that is you're never too bad to get better either. You're never too terrible that you can't improve. And so to remember that as well. I think when it comes down to developing a practice on how to be present, there are a number of different ways and techniques. But again, just like anything, it depends on the person, just like physical fitness. Some people like CrossFit. Some people like long cardio. Some depends. And to see what works best for you. I would say the basic first principles, fundamentals is to at least try to know that, okay, I'm going to commit to practicing being in the present. Now, one basic principle is like when you go to the store, uh, you, you ask for a receipt and your receipt will show you what you just bought. And you can look and say, oh, okay, I did, or I didn't do that. One way to practice anything, whether it be your decisions, whether it be how your relationships is to create receipts for yourself, cognitive receipts to be able at the end of the day to write down, okay, where was my focus? When during the day did I lose my patience? When did, during the day was I fearful? When was I tired? What was my mood like? You're giving yourself uh, somewhat of a, a receipt. Again, it's coming from first person. What you see is all there is. You can be biased. It'd be helpful to other people as well, but that's not, that's not realistic. But just starting there, you're, if you want better answers, start asking yourself better questions. So taking time to pause to take a look and give yourself critical feedback. I think that's a way, not the way, but a way. Another thing you can do is simply practice mindfulness meditation. Now we can go on about this and I don't know what your, your thoughts are on that, but a lot of people, particularly in the professional athletics state, um, you can look at that and think meditation. I'm not a monk. I, I'm not going to go and, and, and meditate on, on a mountain and, and shave my head or whatever. Or, or they say, oh, but I'm a, I'm a spiritual man. I'm a man of faith or a woman of faith. And that's going to, I believe in the Bible. It's like, no, no, we're not trying to convert you to anything. All meditation is training yourself to put your mind where you want, when you want. And a lot of these athletes have trained themselves to take a few minutes a day. Research likes to say 20 minutes or so, but it keeps consistency. Yeah. And to just focus on your breathing or to focus on a thought or to focus on a sound. It's called single point meditation where you're training yourself to focus on a spot. When your mind leaves, just gently bring it right back to focus on that spot. Whoever start, if you're listening to this and you say, okay, I'm going to start that. Uh, user beware, you are going to struggle at first. And that's okay. That is completely okay. Just stay consistent with it so that when stress hits, when all of a sudden you become overwhelmed, you, you, when you tell yourself to relax or to breathe, your mind is trained. It, it, it's not just a tweet. It's actually you trained that physiological response or that relaxation response or that focus response, we can call it. Call it and it will bring your body will come right back to where you need to be in the here and now. So those are two examples, but the key is consistency, awareness and consistency. Absolutely. It's, it's funny because, I mean, meditation used to be, I mean, I haven't meditated for a while because I'm, I'm, I'm super happy with where I'm at right now. And once I hit a plateau and then I'll start re really diving back into my inner self, like my mind is quiet, my mind, you know, my thoughts are my own. And if they're not, I become a watcher rather than a participant. Mm -hmm. um, um, so, but in terms of, I mean, it, 
it's, I, I mean, I, I guess it, it all boils down to how much work we actually put into ourselves. And me with unawareness when I was growing up was probably not much, like not hardly anything. 15 minutes a day. And I, and I have a ton of people whose minds come on the show and their minds are everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can tell it they're everywhere because they're coming up with so many different points and so many different things. And what I try and do is bring a, bring a, a, a practice to a practical practice of just, again, the awareness. And that brings me on to my, my next point of, of breath. You know, you said mindfulness with breath and meditation. I had a, um, a researcher and a famous journalist, James Nestor, who has a book called breath, uh, which is an amazing book. And he speaks about the power of breathing through your nose. Mm. Um, you know, when people hyperventilate, they, they breathe through their mouths and, and a ton of sicknesses, they breathe through their mouths and a bunch of things. Now I've started watching athletes and sports people who are on the field and their mouths are wide open. They're not using any of their nasal uh, passages. Has that ever come across to you or any kind of, because I, I, I go running now and I solely breathe through my nose. I don't open my mouth at all. And I mm-hmm. find myself, I'm not as tired. I can run further. Um, my times are getting quicker. Have you, have you ever heard of that or put that into practice or any of that type of stuff? I have absolutely heard of that. Uh, another demographic I work with are elite CrossFit athletes who, as you know or may or may not know, whoever's listening, these are the best, most fittest athletes in the world from running, being able to lift anything from squatting hundreds of pounds to running five-minute miles to jumping and, and gymnastics. It's, it's incredible. That's where a lot of the physiological component is where they have to breathe and, and any – Kind any little physiological uh, um, what do you call it? advantage that they can learn understanding the physiology like I, that's where you see it a lot now baseball where they're not running that much they're not very <laughs> tired there's not I mean the hardest it's it's not it talked about as much just completely different football uh, it's this, the receivers would probably take uh, go uh, talk about that and utilize that as as opposed to a quarterback or even a, a defensive or offensive lineman. So understanding the context of the person. Uh, but yes, I've heard that research. I've seen it. Even Navy SEALs, my contemporaries who work with Navy SEALs, they talk about that and they train the soldiers on that as well. And um, it's just fascinating when you sit with an expert in a in a domain like that. They can really blow your mind with uh, new information. Oh my God, the the book is is scarily good. Wow. Because then, because I mean, even people who suffer from like blocked noses, which my wife does all the time, and I, every time I catch her breathing through her mouth, I'm like, breathe through your nose. And when she does breathe through it, it kind of clears the system. Mm. You think about, the, you know, especially with sports and everyone else, you're constantly, especially when you're running and you're, you're constantly trying to keep your breath, trying to maintain the oxygen in your, your blood, all that type of stuff, um, which is actually my next point too. Um, I had a sleep, I mean, I feel like all roads are leading to this podcast. Um, I had a sleep scientist on the podcast called Matthew Walker. He has a book called Why We Sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know lack of sleep greatly affects um, your performance based for the day, regardless of whether you're an athlete or not. In, in general, I know if I have a terrible sleep, I am tired. You know, I am, you know, probably headaches, like a ton of stuff come in or play, come into play. Is it ever a question within the kind of your realm or sports or, or what you, or your teachings of, do you question how, how well they're sleeping at night or, you know, how well are you sleeping at night or any of those type of things? Absolutely. It is definitely something that comes up immediately. How are you sleeping and how are you eating? That, those are some of the first, uh, it, whether they come up and they're, they say, hey, uh, let's talk about how to focus or let's talk about confidence. Let's talk about performing under pressure. 
early in that conversation, the two questions I will ask is how are you sleeping and how are you eating? And, uh, and that right there, and, and we have our sleep experts as well. We have our nutritionists as well. Those are two domains that are outside of my deliberate expertise, but I understand how critical you could be the quote unquote, most mentally person in the world. However, if you're not sleeping, if you're not eating efficiently, fueling your body and resting your mind, then you're, it doesn't matter how mentally tough you are. Being exhausted and fatigued makes a coward out of all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, we make bad decisions and you're, you're a lot more negative and, and impulsive and, and you're not as creative. You don't learn as much. And so you can do all the training and you want in the world. If you're not sleeping, that it's not going to be beneficial. And so we always talk about how sleep is the ultimate performance optimizer and uh, doing our best to help the players, uh, get the best sleep that they can. We have nap rooms and we talk about sleep, uh, making sure they get in the rooms and, and sleep in before the games. And so it, it's talked about a lot. I think we should, we should come up with like a, a ritual for any sports athlete or anyone. In, and we should do group meditations and a set time for sleep yeah. and a way of quieting the mind so that everyone's completely relaxed and almost doing a study where um, if you don't have a great night's sleep, you're not playing. And the player that does have a great night's sleep, you're going to be way more beneficial. I mean, I'm, I'm just intrigued by like the mental state, the mental psyche, the energy, you know, but then again, I, I like your, your, your point on, um, this kind of leads to my next point between, you know, action. You tweeted, um, you will learn more from taking action uh, than reading books about taking action. And my next point is the difference between action and activity. Mm -hmm. So, right, for example, uh, action is spontaneous activity is just mundane. So for example, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. That's a spontaneous action. That's action with, with meaning. Mm -hmm. I'm not hungry, but I'm nibbling on food. That's activity. Mm -hmm. You see the difference? Or for example, um, you know, I'm washing dishes. This is a chore. Or I'm washing the dishes and I'm feeling the warm water on my hands, the bubbles, the texture of the plates, the, the sound of the water running down. Um, down the, you know, the, the drain, the, the drying of the plate, seeing the steam coming like that is action mm -hmm. and you're immersed in it. Um, I, I just wanted your take on that because I love the way, you know, your tweets come and they're, they're, they're so pinpointed and so direct. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that. I love those examples. And yeah, there, yes, you're right. There's a difference between activity and productivity. Uh, are, are your actions at the end of the day, are you moving the needle? Are you living in harmony with your purpose? Are you doing what you do on purpose with purpose? I think we can go to bed after each of us have 86,400 seconds a day. All of us. Doesn't matter who you are, where you live, how much money you have, we're all given the same amount of seconds a day. And the best in the world are able to maximize that time that they're used. It's it's a finite resource, time, attention, and our willpower. Finite. Like we don't have a lot of a lot of it. And so you want to maximize those things. And so it comes down to at the end of the day, when you're staring at the ceiling, when you're about to go to sleep, did you move the needle? Did you get one step or two steps closer, even a baby step closer to the things that matter most to you? And I think to your point, uh, a lot of people could have, there's a term in pro sports where we call it fake hustle fake hustle or fake hustle is you look like you're moving. It looks like you're hustling. It looks like you're working hard, but you're really not. You're either doing, and then we have people who are productive procrastinators. A lot of times people will clean their house, wash their dishes, do all the, read these great books. But the reason they're doing those things 
is because they're avoiding the thing that they need to do even, which is even more important than that. And so they're trying to uh, tell themselves, okay, no, this is important, cleaning my house or reading this book. But what they should be doing is getting out there and getting the work. They should be making that phone call. They should be writing that paper. They should be creating that music or doing that podcast. But instead, they're reading tweets about making a podcast, trying to psych themselves out saying, oh, I'm, I'm doing work. But deep down, they're just a productive procrastinator. And so it's at the end of the day, it's being honest with yourself and saying, okay, am I just acting or am I being productive? Uh, there's something called the Pareto principle, which says that 80% of your results come from 20% of your activity. And so the 20 or 80% of your phys physical results come from the 20% of the food you're eating. So, so it's, it's, it's very important to look at your day and where can you go all in on your day, on your actions uh, that will give you the most leveraging the, the time of the day that you work best, your skills to be able to get the most results. I think that's, that's, it's very important. Absolutely. So in, in terms of, you know, uh, as humans per se, you know, uh, us part of nature, we, we're creatures of habit. Um, and during this lockdown um, and everything else, I mean, we have created permanent habits per se, whether we're aware of them or not. Um, I guess now, I mean, because everyone has this thing of, you know, I'm looking forward to it getting back to normal. And I'm like, well, this is the new normal because this is this the habit is created. I think it takes what, like a week to create a habit. And this depends on the habit. March. Yes. Yes. So even for me now, like I'm in my house and I'm probably never going to leave my house for the foreseeable future, but I somewhat love that. Mm -hmm. I, I like, I, like I love the fact that I, you know, you know, back home people are like, Oh, you know, it's, it's every day's boring. Every day's da, da, da. And I'm like, well, you could discover new things like about yourself. You have, there's so much time to do things now, you know, and, and, um, how do you, I, I guess, you know, I guess you have to prepare yourself for now. I guess you can only really prepare yourself for now, but when the time comes to step out of that, I guess that's a whole new mindset. You know, for, to, for example, you're training me to leave my house is going to be like, uh, I'm comfortable, even though I need to. Same as an athlete, you know, they're, they're now used to this way of life of, you know, no audiences, you know, staying home, not really integrating, not doing any of these type of things. They're more locked down than, than the majority of us. Um, how, how do you set that mindset within yourself and then, and then portray that onto, onto the athlete or anyone really? Right. I think if anyone's listening to this, cause to your point, it's, it's, it's yes. How am I going to adjust and adapt when things start to open up or when things are quote unquote, get back to get back to normal. I, I liked what you said about this is the new normal, because what happened is when we were thrown into this situation as, as humans around the world, we didn't predict this. We were kind of just thrown into the deep end of a cold pool and we, it was a shock to all of our system and it, it had behavioral or mental health problems, physical problems, a lot of relationship, domestic violence. When it, it, it rocked us financially, emotionally, um, politically, just in every realm. And, and we saw that if you go through social media, you see the effect to this, the shock to the system with all of us. Now, now, as we come out, whenever that is, we know that, okay, when we come back, some people are afraid, what's it going to be like? What am I going to be like? What's work going to be like? I'm creating these new habits. I have this new, this new routine that, that I have that I've developed. What's it going to be like going forward to your point. That's how I'm framing the question. I would invite anyone who is concerned about that or knows someone who's concerned about that to con consider 
uh, conducting a pre-mortem. Now, a pre-mortem is a strategy that business uh, owners use. When you make a decision, you say, this is what we're going to go and this is what we hope to have happen. Now, a pre-mortem is basically is you're killing the idea or destroying the idea before it even happens. So a pre-mortem would be, okay, let me go exactly now. Let's say, okay, well, I want you to imagine what it's going to be like to come back and let's what is the what are the worst case scenarios? Okay, talk about everything. Okay, I'm I'm probably going to struggle with my fitness. I'm probably going to have fear for my job and just write it all down. It's in essence it's the power of negative thinking. You identify all of the pitfalls, all of the adversity, all of the problems and the effects of the effects as many as you can get down. And then when you're done writing down all the potential problems you are going to face, now you have a list of all the things you either need to A, avoid, or B, learn to strengthen, learn to build competencies or skills around in order to minimize those things. Some of these things are inevitable. Maybe people are going to fear going back into public. Well, it's going to be inevitable. You're going to have to get back out there. But what can you do now to develop a competency or a skill to help you at least navigate that part? So now you could mentally prepare. So uh, there's another phrase. It's called the, the, the Stockdale Paradox. It's staring the brutal facts in the face, not hiding from them, but having tremendous faith that you're going to be able to come out on top on the other end. And so it's holding this dichotomous, hey, these are the brutal facts. But I know I have, I'm going to have the faith and I'm going to have the skill set and the competence to overcome these things. And that's why you are the shit, Justin. <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Um, I, I want to dive more into kind of your mental, like your mind. Um, what's, what do you, what's your predominant thoughts? I mean, yeah. I, I, I know the answer to this because your predominant thoughts is everything around you. Yeah. But in terms of I, I really want to dive in on your, you know, you as a person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my predominant thoughts is is I'm, I'm very um, outsider view. I'm very, I would take the the magnifying glass approach just because of my career. So there's a if you take a look at the facets of my life, I'm professionally I'm a I'm a I'm a mental performance coach. So my job essentially is to think more about others. I'm married. I've been married 15 years with three teenage kids, and so as a parent, you're thinking about others. Um, I have friends and families who are struggling, so it's I have a career where it's less about me and more about others. And so the predom- my my predominant thoughts are: What can I learn? What can I read? What can I do so that I can sustain and and have the strength to help others along the way? And so that's essentially what my what goes through my mind all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And and me, you know. I've become aware of, for example, I now look at my life and, and where I am is exactly where I'm supposed to be ba- based off of my beliefs, my thoughts, my expectations, my, you know, n- my negativity, my positivity. If I can, I separate myself from myself and I study myself, I can see I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me to change that, it means I have to change my mindset and my state and my mental state, and my beliefs. It's like, you know, um, I don't know if I focus, if actually, to be honest with you, now I, I try and focus less on what I want and more on abundance of everything. Mm-hmm. So I let go of the notion. For example, I used to work like a dog. I used to do so many terrible jobs. I used to do all that type of stuff. But my mindset was also in that state. So I could only attract more shitty situations to me. Mm-hmm. When people come to me, they're like, you know, when you're around negative people and I'm like, well, firstly, you're around negative people because you've attracted negative people. Mm-hmm. You've put negativity out into the universe and negativity has come back. And they come to me, it's like, I need to surround myself with more people like you. And I'm like, well, 
you're attracting people like me because you're putting positivity out there too. And now I've got to a point where, you know, the needle is, we're creatures, again, creatures of habit. So we're negative by nature. That's mm -hmm. the whole conditioning of our whole, you know, childhoods or whatever we want to call it is negativity. And what happens, as you said, you know, the mindset to it, you know, you start for every hundred negative and a positive comes in, you dismiss it because it doesn't resonate with your negativity. But when you focus on the awareness of it, you start turning the needle and you're like, oh, two positive situations. Oh, great. Three positive situations. And, and you're still in the negative sphere. And then you start analyzing all these situations that are coming in. Um, and the perfect example, you know, my head used to be too heavy for my body. I had so much depression. I was so stressed. But, you know, we're of a generation where you couldn't really talk about it. It wasn't really a thing. It wasn't, it never had a name because everyone around you had the same thing. Um, I'd love to know more about the kind of spiritual side of you. Because I know you used to, I, I, I wouldn't call you a preacher, but I know you used to teach religion. Um, yeah. And I'd yeah. love to know that side of you too. Because, you know, beliefs, and our belief system is the whole attraction to us. Right, right. Yes, man, definitely a man of faith. I was a seminary teacher uh, before before doing this. And uh, yeah, teaching about uh, from the Old Testament and the New Testament and, and teaching high school students. It was an absolute blast. I served a, a church mission to Nicaragua uh, for two years learning, not speaking any Spanish. So living in houses with no electricity and no running water. And uh, it was it was so much fun. But uh, but yeah, and it's, it's interesting, because in my line of work, I have I work with Christians of different denominations and atheists and agnostics and people who are, who are, or spiritual or, or spiritual, but not religious and uh, things like politics and religion and spirituality could be a very, very touchy situation for some people. Um, however, it is it like, to your point, it is, it is one of the fabrics that, that w are woven through me. However, in my world I have to be non-judgmental, and it's not just because I believe this you have to or just because you believe that I have to it's like hey uh, to explore people's lives with curiosity I'm just more fascinated by my people's beliefs and uh, what makes them tick uh, to, to your to your point yeah I love that I mean it, it, the whole point is free will yeah you know it wouldn't exist if it if we, we didn't have it right. um, but I love that you know I, it's funny because when I've I've removed myself from kind of I wouldn't say society because I'm, I'm almost like my own social experiment. So if I think about someone, for example, I don't know anyone, and then they text you, I'm like, ooh, that's an unresisted thought or manifestation. You know, your whole life is a manifestation. Um, and I'm like, how can I put that practice into everything else mm. with the unresisted thought of it? For example, you know, maybe I'm playing soccer that day, not how bad I'm going to play or if I'm going to get injured or any of these type of things. It's more about letting go of everything and just doing it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so whenever I have a resistance to anything, whether it's this podcast or whether it's, you know, money or whether it's Bitcoin's up or down, or if it's this or it's that or any of that type of thing, I'm like, let it go. Mm. It doesn't matter. And when that happens, and, and back to my, my, my other point is when I used to work like a dog, I got nowhere, 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 nowhere. Now I work, I feel like I work easy because I love it. I enjoy everything I do. And there's, and I love the freedom behind that. And I understand that, you know, financials and this and all that to, can create freedom too. Uh, I guess my question for you is, I mean, athletes more than anyone are probably super, super hard on themselves as, as most people, you know, but they're in a position of power. How, how do you get them to, to kind of get in a more uh, mindset of an energy flow, just letting go of the conditioning of their conditioning and their training and everything else and just being who they are? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I also want to touch on a, a point that you're making that I love. There might be somebody listening to this podcast, uh, driving in the car, on the way to the gym, whatever, and they hear you and I speaking and they say, wow, I wish I could have that approach. I wish I could have that mindset to speak my mind and to be where my feet are, where my, ener- my, my mind goes, the energy flows and so forth. And to your point, what you said earlier in your career or earlier in your life, you're working jobs that you didn't enjoy, uh, trying to make, uh, I'm, I'm saying this, you didn't say it, probably trying to make uh, ends meet. I remember doing the same thing. And if you would ask me where, what is the, 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 my, the nature of my thoughts 10 years ago, I would have said, are you kidding me? I'm barely trying to survive. I have three kids who are under five years old. I'm not making I'm making, I'm not making a lot of money. I have four jobs. I'm going to grad school. It was miserable. It was, it was incredibly difficult. And so context has everything to do with it, a lot to do with it rather, where you are, what's going on in your life. I think the reason you and I can have these is because we, we have, I mean, People who they have their finances in this situation, or they might be in a place where we have our health. We don't have chronic injury and chronic pain that our body is constantly breaking down on us and we're struggling. And so I, I want to respect the nature of people's uh, situations out there. Not to say that it's not possible to, to have a positive mentality, but it, it, it might take a little bit more work depending on where you are, because I definitely know it is the case with me. But to answer your question as well, I think it starts with awareness. Helping the player, the phrase is you can't change what you're not aware of. And to your point, high performers in anything, they have this, this, they, this belief that they can control a lot of things. I can control if I work hard enough, if I train hard enough, if I'm prepared enough. But we all know that just because you work hard, it doesn't guarantee success. It increases the odds of success. But I've seen people, for example, we worked extremely hard to win the World Series, extremely hard. We lost. We, we, the Dodgers beat us. We, we, we lost to the Dodgers in the World Series. And people, that, does that mean that uh, all the hard work didn't pay off? It was a complete failure? In some eyes, yes, we didn't win the World Series. But that doesn't mean that we don't go work, don't go work hard the next time. And so it's really helping the athletes understand or just anybody understand and really answer the question. What can I control and what can I not control? And that remember that the things you try to control but can't end up controlling you. And to practice what you just did, once I have a thought that I can't control, to do exactly what you said and just remind myself, okay, let go, let go. Because like you said, we have a negativity bias and it runs under the radar. And a lot of times we're not even aware of our negativity and our bad attitude and our, and our envy and our jealousy and our all, we're not aware of it, how we treat people, how we come off. But once you shine a light on it, then you will be able to change it. So you can't change what you're not aware of. So I think it starts with, starts with that awareness and then that willingness to be able to say, hey, can I control it? Yes. Okay. Then I'm going to do something about it. Can I control it? No. Okay. Let me let it go. Yeah. It's funny because I, I, I always adopt a thing where I can control my own environment, but I can't control it. For example, you, you can manifest for yourself. So, you know, in, in, everything in my life is me, to do with me in terms of the way I look, the way I feel, whether I get sick, whether I don't get sick, all that type of stuff. It's, it's me. I am in control. You know, again, when I separate myself from everything from religion, you know, I, I tap into every single religion. And they all touch upon the same points of, you know, we are of God. It doesn't say we are of God, but with limitations. 
Mm-hmm. It's only our mindset that sets the limitations. You know, it's like the mum, the mum who lifts the car off her child or, you know, those, again, it's our human limitation where we don't have any. Um, and back to one of that, you, one of the things that you tweeted about, which I really love was about appreciation, because um, I think that resonates as well as awareness is the fact that no matter, you know, how dire your situation is, you know, I've slept on couches, you know, I've done this, I've been, you know, had no money. My mom was a single parent with five kids. But then you, you appreciate the, the microscopic level. Like, I love that every bad thing has ever happened to me because I would not be where I am right now. And I love where I am. Um, and or, or anyone, listen, just start with liking where you are, you know, or just being okay with where you are. But the appreciation level of, you know, I have water. I have food. I have clothes. I have this. And if you don't have those things try and find something that you you can tap into for that level of appreciation. And once you start conditioning the appreciation, it becomes, so when a bad situation comes in, you can deal with it because you're like, I still have all these other things. About six years ago, I'm doing a course on confidence at, at uh, Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas, which, uh, with a bunch of soldiers who are in a unit called the Warriors in Transition. Now, the Warriors in Transition is like the, the wounded warriors. These are soldiers who have been burned or they've been shot or whatever, and it's, it's kind of injury rehab before they go back into their respective units, or they, they're, they're so injured, they transition into civilian life, Warriors in Transition. And we're doing this course on confidence, and the reality is there's about 20 soldiers in there 19 of them do not want to be there except one and he's participating. He's excited. He loves it. After the class, I go up to him and I said, Hey, how, how, tell me about yourself. How how do you do this? How are you so positive and energetic? And he ends up telling me that before he got sent to the warriors in transition, he was in the, in down range. He was leading his team. He was six foot four, 240 pounds of muscle, according to him. And he said, there was something in the ground and he went to kick it. And little did he know, it was a bomb. The next thing he remembers is waking up in the hospital. He looks down and the bomb blew off both of his legs, his left arm and his left shoulder. He said he sat in that hospital room thinking thoughts that no human should be thinking. He thought his life was over. He was negative. He was terrible. Worst thing that could ever happen. Until one day he realized that he's manifesting this with his mind. There's nothing he can do about his situation. He can regret all these things, but there's nothing he can do about it. So he decided one day that he's going to focus on the good. He's going to hunt the good stuff and focus on the positive. And he said that changed everything. And so he goes back to my question. He goes, sir, every time I leave my house, I look in the mirror and I ask and I tell myself the same thing. It could always be worse. It could always be worse. And then I asked him, I said, well, no disrespect, but how, how can it be worse? And he looks at me in the eyes and he smiles and he says, sir, at least I'm right-handed. And we all just started laughing. And to (laughs) your point, to your point, rather than focus on the bad, the fact that he doesn't have legs, a left arm or left shoulder, he told me, I focus on the fact that I'm right-handed and all the things I can do. So to your point, that is an amazing practice, uh, the practice of gratitude and appreciation. And that is something that can flip your mindset immediately to help you uh, be where your feet are and, and be more positive. What an absolute genius that is. Oh my God. That's amazing. I love that. Um, and that, and, and that's why we, I feel like that's why we're here. We're here to kind of, you know, I, I turned over a new leaf this year with, especially with the podcast, 
because I got tons of messages from people being like, you know, I was so depressed. I listened to your podcast. It gives me voice and reason. And they tell me situations about their lives, which for me is so courageous. It's the courage. I'm like, I, I, I couldn't do it. I, couldn't, I, I never used to do that. Now I speak about my feelings, just whatever I'm thinking I speak about so that my thoughts are my own and not from this, this source or this ego kind of talking back to me. Um, so what I've started to do is I've started to, you know, reach out, people have reached me and I, and I say, well, why don't you talk? Well, let's talk about it. Let's jump on the show. Let's talk about it. And, and the reaction has been amazing. And seeing these people and seeing that they're, they're physically, emotionally changing as we're talking and having a conversation, you know, that again, the, the, you know, the, the, the ploy of evolution, I don't feel like we came from newts. I feel like we came, evolution is I'm not the same before this podcast. Mm. my main mind state is different i'm not talking about aspects of you know um but it brings me on to my next thing i i, I want to dive in on dreams especially from 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 a mindset coach i, I mean because i can for example um back in march my, my contract wasn't renewed with my company and i was like a little stressed you know it was a great source of income this 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 but i'm a hustler so i have tons of you know when one fails another comes in that's just the way way i approach but I, I, but it was something I, you know, I did for a long time. You know, I had some great, great people there, um, working in music and stuff. And I had this dream in my utility. Um, I don't like doors open. It's just a thing for me. I like to every mm -hmm. door in the house has to be closed. It's, maybe it's a respect thing. And um, the door was open, and I leaned in, and it was pit, it was dark, and something grabbed my hand, my arm, and it wouldn't let me go, and I couldn't scream, and I couldn't do anything, and I woke up not scared. I woke up like, okay, you need to let go. And the minute I did that and I let go, opportunities started flooding in, um, you know, other situations that I wasn't even focused on. But because I let go, I became the river of, you know, just the flow of everything. And I, start, I stopped holding on to that specific thing. And that's, that's kind of how I live now. It's like, you know, relax. You know, mm. what, I guess as someone who's a mindset coach and athletes, athletes for me or, or anyone who's a sports are always in a rush. They always feel like their time, you know, you know, when you look at soccer players, for example, they retire at 34. I'm like, I'm 36. I'm like, I, I don't feel like I would be retiring right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, how do you instill that mindset of, I mean, do you, I mean, just, you know, that what, what, I guess there is a rush for, you know, competitiveness and, you know, um, success and all these type of things. Is it, it, do you practice like slow down? I mean, I'm, I'm so intrigued just by this, you know, different, different fields and different ways of thinking. What's interesting for those who are familiar with sport, one of the things that I'll, I'll give you a personal example. So I'm watching a basketball game, an NBA basketball, national basketball association, uh, two great teams, prolific teams playing in the champion or playing in the, uh, in the playoffs heated, they're back and forth. It's high pressure. Fans are going crazy. This is before, before COVID. And my wife comes downstairs. She goes, let's go to the park as a family. And I remember thinking to myself, this is terrible timing. How, why would you even ask that question right now? This is like one of the biggest moments of the season. I've been watching it and that's what I'm thinking. But of course I said, yeah, of course, that sounds like a good idea. Can we go after the game? And she goes, and she goes, how much time's left? And on the clock, there was two minutes left. So I said, two minutes. And then she asked a critical second question. She said, what's the score? And I said, oh, it's a tie game. She says, great, we'll leave in 30. 
And so one thing she understood is that even though it says two minutes on the clock and the tie game at the end, she knows that it's going to be a lot longer because teams are going to call a timeout. Timeouts are one of the most important resources in a high pressure game because that's where the coach in the, once the, the stakes are high, the stress is high, the pressure is high, the coach utilizes a timeout to slow the game down, to make sure you have a game plan, to make sure everyone knows their role, okay, to remind them of their training. Okay, now go back out there and do what you need to do. Now, in life, we don't do that a lot. When the pressure's up, when the stress is up, we sleep less. We try to work faster. We try to work harder. We don't take a timeout. So I think that's where it would be very important to take a lesson. And of course, there's not all, there's not, uh, we can't pull all lessons from sports, but I think that's one of a great lesson that we can learn from sports is that when the pressure's on, that's when they call the timeouts. And when the pressure's on in our lives, in order to be able to go fast, one of the things you need to learn how to do is to go slow, to take time to think, to reflect, to sleep, to meditate, to spend time with your loved ones. And the high performer in you is going to say, but, but this is one of the, I'm not being productive. I'm not going. No, those are perfect times because these ideas are probably these, these ideas you have want to bubble to the top, but you're so busy. It's not until you sleep, they're manifested in dreams. It's not until you're in the shower with no internet around you where all of a sudden these ideas come. Maybe you're going for a walk because your mind finally has some time to relax a little bit. And that's where the creativity and energy starts to come. And so I agree with you, learn to take a time out, even plan your recovery times and your pit, your, your, your mental and physical pit stops, pit stops throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because when um, I read a ton of child psychology books, I have a, a, full, a 14 month old. So, and just seeing, you know, her grow, because you can never really imagine yourself being that small or that young or learn, you know, right. it's very difficult for us to separate ourselves from ourselves. Right. Um, and I was reading this one book on speed. And, and the reason why the guy wrote this book is because you know, he was coming home from work, you know, he had to, you know, obviously, you know, the baby was being bathed and read the bedtime story and he had emails and calls and everything else. And he was finding himself rushing through, through the book. And he realized that, the, you know, the kid was like, oh, again, again, you know what kids are like, they, they, they want to keep reading. And he's like, well, what? And then he sat, took a step back and was like, why am I rushing? Like what logical point? The email, everything else can wait. Nothing else is important. And I've started now adopting that mindset for everything. I'm like, what, well, you know, cause I used to work in music. So it's like, you know, you have to get the hit, you have to get this hit. And then after you get that hit, you're like, oh shit, what's next. And it's like a trickle on effect of, of unhappiness. Because if you don't appreciate the now and where you are, you're not going to appreciate the journey of when you get to that goal. And I think that's the point. It's like, you know, tons of people come on, you know, uh, if I get money, I'm going to be happy. But if you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy once you get it. How, how do you instill that into, I mean, again, I'm, I'm asking you because you, you deal with like grown ass men who are the top of their field, who are hugely successful. Um, so only, I guess not many people can relate to the, to the days in and days out of, you know, the constant mindset you're constantly setting. Um, I'd love to dive a little bit on that. Yeah. I, and, and I love the word you use. I think, I think instill is difficult because with these professional athletes, they're already, like you said, grown men. They're 36, 38, married with kids, elite athletes, multimillionaires, uh, thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. It's like, 
the the in, the installation part of, of mindset is is I don't want to say it's gone because we're constantly evolving, but in my 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 minimal interactions with them as I cross paths with them every single day is not conducive to where they could have had it instilled when they were younger within the walls of their own home. And so what I really do to, which seems like it's a common theme throughout this entire podcast interview with what we're talking about is helping them gain perspective and shining a light on it through the use of effective questions. And so if they come up to me and, and maybe it's a, it's a question like, Oh, I need to win to be successful. When to be successful? After I, the only way if I if I'm successful is if I win. And then a simple question like, "Was it possible? Is it is it possible possible to be successful if you don't win?" Just that question alone gets them to say, "Huh, is it possible?" And they might say no at first, but then like, "Okay, why?" Oh, well, because oh, well, well, because oh, and then you get to see all you have to do is. Ask them a few why questions. Oh, this is the key to my success. If I do this, this, and this, then I'm going to be confident. What, what if you're not confident after that? What's the source of your confidence? Have you ever not been, have you ever been confident and then failed? Oh, yeah, I have. Oh, have you ever not been confident and succeeded? Yeah. Oh, so what does that teach you about confidence? Huh. Interesting. And now all of a sudden the wheels are turning. And so it's less, this is how you need to think and more. Have you ever thought about this before? What about this? What about this? And so it's more of a continual dialogue just to get them to think about and see things in a different perspective, not asking them to hold on to it and grab it, but just consider a different, an alternative yeah. view. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. Honestly, it's, it's, it's questioning, having them question themselves. Yeah, is actually kind of the reverse psychology of it. And it's almost like, I don't know, if, uh, there's a book called v uh, Victor Frankl. Um, Man Man Search Man Search Man yeah. So, you know, and I feel like the success potion of it or any, anyone's goal is, is the meaning. When we have to strip back the actual meaning of it and be like, well, you're, you're, you're born, that's the success. Mm. You're alive, that's the meaning. Your meaning is your life. Mm -hmm. It's not other things that you surround yourself with. Oh man, I, to be honest with you, like you've blown my mind. I mean, especially someone who is, you know, cause I separate the brain from the mind. The brain is something that stores information. The mind is kind of part of you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, you and your body are two separate things, even though it's all part of the same, same thing. Um, do, do you ever bring like, like super spiritual? I mean, cause I mean, even being religious as you are, or, you know, there's still spiritual connotations in what you mm -hmm. do. Um, and for me, you know, everything in my life is me. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like athleticism and, and has there been anyone that you've come across that you just haven't been able to get through or get to oh, yeah. mentally? Yes, 100%. There are just like anything. If, if I were to sit here and say, I connect with every person I work with, it would be an absolute lie uh, to know that I am human just like anybody else. And, and just like uh, I, I'm not for everybody. And some people, and not that it's a bad thing necessarily, sometimes it's just, hey, you just don't jive with certain people and you don't connect. But 
but never, it's never burning bridges. It's never, I can't stand you. It's like, Hey, we can, we don't have to talk mental performance. Hey, how, how's the wife and kids? Yeah. How's the family? Good. Cool. Did you watch what did you watch the latest Netflix, uh, uh, series? Oh, cool. All right. We'll see you around. And so we see each other all the time and we're each we're with each other so much. You still want to be respectful and cordial. You develop good friendships, but yeah, to say that I sit down and have a mental skill sessions with everybody, um, is absolutely false. Well, I guess well, just a couple more questions. I won't keep you much longer, but yeah, um, no problem. What's been the most life-changing and valuable um, lessons? I guess you've kind of been aware of or taught yourself over the years. Just a, a couple of pinpoints. I'd love to know that. Yeah, one uh, uh, one in particular was so I was uh, part of the Red Sox organization when we won the World Series in 2018. Best team in the world, um, or in Major League, it's called the World Series, the championship. At the same time, I was the mental performance performance coach for the Cleveland Browns, who was the worst team in the NFL. So here I am, the same person who's a member of the historically worst season in the history of the NFL with the Browns. And at the same time, maybe historically one of the best teams of all time in baseball. Same person, same person. So what does that, what does that mean about me? I think it's easy in this field uh, to kind of, to develop this hero concept, this, 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 we're, we're complex. We're like, oh, I'm smart. I'm great. I'm this, or I'm, and then you learn very quickly, very quickly that you, you provide a resource to people. I'm not the hero. Uh, I provide a resource. I'm a resource. I work with the heroes, the people I work, the players are the heroes, the men and the women who are, they're the hero on their own journey. The person listening to this, you're the hero. You don't need someone in, to ride in on a horse to save you. You're the hero. And then you want to surround yourself with people who are guides on the side. And that was really when I realized that it's not about me. I always knew that inherently, but that's where I really learned. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm on the worst team. I'm on the best team. Okay, so what does that mean about me? I'm just, I'm, I'm part of it. I'm, I'm part of, of both of those cultures. And uh, to really, it helped me get out of the way, realize what can I do to get out of the way to help them see the best version of themselves to get a little bit closer to uh, to maximizing their potential. And so that that was a very vivid lesson that I that I learned a couple of years ago. I love that. I mean, I, well, just one more question. I get a ton of people hit, hitting me, you know, who are severely anxious and depressed and, um, you know, just struggling with life. And, and I'm sure, you know, top athletes and, and you know, yourself has all, also been through these, these situations. And my resonance when I was feeling this, um, and I'd love to get your opinion on it too, um, was, you know, I think it was Tony Robbins, actually, was when I was feeling this way, I was like, enough. Obviously, you feel like it's the outside world causing it to you, but it's actually, you know, you are the one who is feeling the way you're feeling. Um, and it was, yeah, Tony Robbins said, for a couple of minutes a day, look in the mirror and just smile. And at first, I did it for the first time years ago, probably 10, 15 years ago. And I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever done in my <laughs> entire life. And I was like, what? And something clicked. And I was like, that's the point. You're not supposed to take yourself too seriously. Mm. And that turned the needle for me is like, I'm getting depressed because I'm taking myself too seriously or these situations taken too seriously, even my job in music and all these type of things. And I was like, wow, I, you know, I'm not saving lives. Mm. I, I, you know, I'm making music that, that people resonate with and love. There's, that, that's beautiful. Mm. I'd love to know how you, I mean, hyper, you know, whether, I'm, I'm sure you deal with it tons of times, someone who's severely depressed, anxious, you know, 
hates life, all that type of, how would you deal with that situation as yes. mindset, you know? It is very, it happens. It absolutely happens. And one thing is that one thing about these professional athletes is they have access to an unbelievable amount of different resources. So they have me. So as a mental performance coach, where I focus on, on performance optimization topics, like we're talking about uh, motivation, confidence, performing, optimizing performance. However, there are moments when we do get depressed. We do get highly anxious. We do have family issues and problems where um, you're not looking for performance optimization. You're looking just to get off the ground. Like you, you are, you've been knocked down and it's less about peak performance and more about, let me just, I need tools to survive, not necessarily even thrive. I'm, I'm struggling right now. I can't think about changing, conquering the world. I just want to focus. I don't even want to change my clothes. I don't even want to brush my teeth. We have professionals for that. So we, there's another de department, another group who are, who's our mental health group. And we have a practitioner who specializes in depression, in anxiety, who helps with the players behind closed doors with a licensed professional. And so what I do when I see that, because I have the good relationship with them, I introduce them to the licensed trained professional expert who will help them, uh, who will help them with the, with, with the performance restoration, emotional, the cognitive side. And then, then they come back to the sport or come back to me. And then we worked on uh, human optimization. I, I didn't even know that. Honestly, I did like, you, you never th think about franchises who have the whole, you know, the resources, the setups, the, to deal with these type of things. Cause you know, sport can be to a, to, to a, to a fan is, it's pretty surface level. It's mental. It's, it's all these type of things, but in terms of the actual undertones, yes. I mean, that's amazing. Like I did not know that. I mean, yes. literally that just yes. blew my mind. Yeah. So a lot of people when they're, when they're depressed uh, or, or when they're anxious or anxiety, have anxiety, they'll come to me or they'll email, Hey, Justin, I'm depressed, this and that. And then I will introduce them to a specialist, someone who to help them with that. I'm the performance guy. I'm the confidence, motivation, focus, arousal control, optimization. And then we have a, a restoration, like the mental health, uh, though they're, they're the best, they're the experts. They're the yeah. best at that's what they, that's what they're trained to do. I think, I mean, that's, that's beautiful. It's almost like, uh, you know, oh, I'm feeling a little down on myself. Where's Justin at? You know, that, but I love, I mean, but that's literally how pe people who call me, people call me up. For example, I have friends who just call me just to have a conversation mm. just about stuff. And then I, we talk about work, we talk about life, we talk about everything. Mm. And then I kind of break it practically into a spiritual sense. You know, this situation coming in this, this, I think that the, the mindset coach and all, I think what you're doing is, is stunning. I think it's like, I mean, to a point where I looked up a course and I was like, this is amazing. I've actually started mm -hmm. the thought about going, cause I, I didn't, I didn't go to school. I left school at like 16. I didn't do any of that type of stuff. It wasn't for me. I didn't like the teachers. I didn't like to be confined. I, you know, I was making money from the age of 12. So for me, that was kind of, you know, but it's funny because being on the street or all that type of stuff, the business is the same. It's just how you speak to people and how you deal with people is just a little different. Yes. The fundamentals of it are all the same. Um, but man, I, I, to be honest, I want to thank you so much. This has super inspired me. Um, and another thing too, actually one more point as well. Um, cause, cause I say this a lot to, to, to kind of the app that, you know, I've done terrible jobs. I've done everything. And to the average person kind of, you know, working in McDonald's or this place or this or that, I think the inspiration is you do it at a hundred percent, do it like it's your end goal. 
because you know what's going to happen when you get to your end goal. You're going to be mentally prepared. You're going to manifest getting to your end goal. But for me, when I used to half-ass jobs, I'd attract half-ass situations. So for, I guess for you, you have to mentally prepare everyone to consistently be at their best. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Justin, I think that's beautiful. Thanks, brother. I really, really appreciate it. This was an awesome conversation and uh, you opened my mind and my eyes as well. So th- thank you. Legend. Thank you so much. <laughs>